and the implications from what I'm about to share with you will have an absolute world-shattering impact. A dangerous bioterror alert. How this is not on the breaking news around our planet, if this is true, is beyond my ability to understand. The implications of what we're seeing here are absolutely world-shattering. On May 26th at 5.18 p.m., with over one million views since its posting. The Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the official account of the Russian government, here is what we were talking about, posted a social media account of reported bioweapons and research that was found in American-led and American-funded weapons facilities. The post has Russian government declassified documents, including three different reported U.S. projects named UP4, P444, and Project Flu Flyaway. Of the projects, there are particularly horrifying details. Now, I'm going to remind you that right now we are in a war with Russia. This includes a war for information. It includes a war of misinformation. It is an economic war, and it is a kinetic and physical war through Ukraine. We do need to look at all of the information that we are presented with, and we need to make sound decisions. I also want to remind you that we are in the middle of the world's largest outbreak of an avian influenza virus that for the first time in history in our world has had a sustained chain of transmission after crossing a species barrier into mammals from birds. We are seeing a massive loss of life in sea life and affected mammal species such as dogs, cats, large cats, ferrets, and when exposed, large sets of rat and mice populations. I'm talking absolutely massive losses. So looking at that, I want you to also consider why Japan just acknowledged that the country, likely together with other nations, is stockpiling vaccines for up to 10 million of the country's most important people in case of a widespread avian influenza outbreak. Looking back at the Russian documents, we see Project UP4, which studies the reported spread of an avian influenza virus through migratory bird species, something that we have seen happen with avian influenza naturally and something that could potentially be used as a carrying mode of transmission for something wholly unnatural. Next up, we have Project UP4. We see, uh, next up, we, have, uh, we see Project P444, which I'm going to refer to just as P4 for the sake of brevity. It is set up to monitor the spread of disease in different species of birds. Now, after that, we have Project Flu Flyaway, which is said to study the spread or maybe the spreading ability of a dangerous pathogen that would allow a new disease or a novel virus to spread through normal migration patterns as they happen across Europe and across other parts of our world, where they say a disease, once artificially introduced into a migratory bird species, 
could deposit itself into local environments through excrement droppings, bird-to-bird -bird contact, or the use of shared watering areas. Then we have other projects that portray a willingness through military uses, potentially to unleash a pathogen. This is very dangerous stuff. Now, the Russian government, as we start to see some amount of people pick up on this, tweeted that they found human-engineered bioweapon samples at a U.S. Department of Defense-funded biolab. The update from the Russian Ministry of Defense on the biological crimes, as they call them, says that the military collected bioweapon sam uh, samples from the Biosphere Reserve. <clears throat> it showed avian flu strains, ones with the ability to cross the species barrier, ones that held a human lethality rate of 40%. Now, I want you to begin to understand that if something is unleashed or just comes about naturally in the human population with a 40% fatality rate and zero previous exposure, every single household in America will lose a life. The Russian military is said to have shown evidence of funding for the studying of migration bird flu at various labs, veterinarian facilities, they allege that America has contingencies to use migration to spread a highly lethal human-engineered form of a pathogen. This is a quote. Now remember, we are in an information war. We are in a misinformation war. There's nothing to say that this is the way it is. But what we know for a fact is that the U.S. government, the U.S. military, the Chinese government, the Russian government, and various other factions and governments around our world have acknowledged the engineering by scientists inside laboratories of diseases under the guise of seeing how bad they can make them to get ready for them, which will then be weaponized by the military. They've all said that they're doing this. They have all acknowledged that this is true. Is this the case here? We absolutely don't know. But what we do have to do is get as ready as we can for this type of event to take place. If you're not prepared to do something like wear a full biohazard suit out, then you're not as prepared as you could be. Now, that's a little bit extreme, and I'm going to admit to you that not a lot of people are in a position where they will do that. And so when a disease is unleashed on humanity that has a 40% fatality rate, you will see a massive loss of life, unlike anything we have ever experienced. Now, I'll, have, I'll remind you that because of the shortness of time that the last novel pathogen made its way through humanity, you saw massive amounts of uh, an inability for our normal chain of uh, triage to handle. You also saw the freezers not be able to handle the death. But what we will experience in a 40%, that was 1%, or even less than 1%, which is still absolutely huge. But what we will experience in a 40% fatality rate outbreak is horrifying. 
This is a quote from the report. It says the U.S. military is actively studying these economically significant infections outside the national territory in these laboratories located along the borders of its geopolitical adversaries. This demonstrates, according to the report, once more that the U.S. is creating these weapons abroad. Now, the Russian military goes on to highlight the U.S. and military biodefense strategies, what they call nefarious research. Russian military also accuses the U.S. of blocking investigations through the Biological Weapons Convention, which they say is a breach of international law. But if we ever end up talking about a disease like this, you're talking about every single household that's watching losing at least one member in a six-month period of time. You're talking about a complete dislocation of everything that we know and everything that we love. There will be no more stores. There will be no more travel. There will be no more anything. What you will have left is anarchy and disruption. That will be all that remains for some time. So you might be asking yourself, what can you do? You're a prepper, you're a survivalist, you're here, you're now. What can you do to get ready? Well, the first thing that you can do is remain aware of these types of things being a possibility. You have to plan for the worst, hope and pray for the best. So planning for the worst is saying, okay, well, maybe they have gone out and played some sort of Dr. Evil here, and they are creating these things, and maybe 40% is even on the low scale. And if that's the case, and if you don't put it past warring governments to unleash, unleash this sort of disease upon their enemies, hoping that all of their high elites have the vaccine or have some sort of care or can go into uh, deep underground bunkers, whatever they're plan might be. So if you don't put it past a government to be able to do this, then you have to plan for this to be a possibility. You plan for this to be a possibility by knowing that as soon as you see some sort of transmission like this, you take a couple of days off work. You tell the kids, no, you're homesick from school today. We're having a family day. We're having a grieving day. Whatever you want to call it, you make the calls and you get it done. You might lose some money at work. If you don't lose that money, you might lose your life if you're too late. And you watch and you remain aware of the cycle of information that's being put out there. They will not be able to hide that sort of disease for long. They will want to keep it under wraps for as long as possible so that the enemies of anyone who unleashes it would succumb, as many people would succumb as possible to that disease and that chain of transmission. But they know that using the models that we have all seen, once it gets out there in a population, there is literally no stopping that except complete avoidance behavior. One way that you can practice complete avoidance behavior is having six weeks, six months, maybe even a year's worth of staple food products. Sure, you might be eating white rice and canned tomatoes and canned chicken for the next three months, but you will be eating. Yes, you will need things like your multivitamins, your normal day-to-day -day care and, and over-the-counter medication, and you will even need as much of the other medication that you can get. But don't think for a moment that the plans that they made during the last emergency to enact telehealth and to enact uh, stay-at-home shopping 
won't be used and that that wasn't on purpose. They're going to fall back to those plans as soon as another disruption in our ability to live our lives the way we're used to becomes prominent. And so you need to make that call right away. You start to see something that doesn't look right, you take the day or three days off of work. Maybe you take it day at a time. You call in, hey, I've got a stomach flu, something's not right with my body. I'm gonna, I'm hoping to be back tomorrow. The next day, maybe you haven't gathered enough information. I'm still under the weather, I'm hoping to be back tomorrow. And within that 24 to 36 hour period, you'll be able to see what direction the news cycle is taking. Along with your pantry being stocked as much as you have the uh, potential for it too, you need to be aware that the ability for water to keep running is going to be severely limited. And that means that individuals will need to go out and get water. They have planned for this. And just like in wartime planning, you see in urban warfare right now, they have all eyes and snipers on water locations. Sometimes they'll sabotage them, but they would much rather the enemy combatants go to those locations and pick them off either in route or at the location itself. And so just like that case during war, you need to know that every day that you need to go get water is going to be a day fraught with uncertainty. So what can you do? Well, you just do what you can. You need to either have some sort of biohazard suit, have a backup. I would suggest you look to how the organizations, especially the non-government organizations and the ones that are using like the faith-based organizations that are going to places that have an Ebola or a hemorrhagic fever outbreak, how are they dressing every day and what are they doing? Well, they're dressing in full kind of like rain gear, fishing gear. They've taped up their, uh, their wet boots. After they go to a location, they're spraying themselves down with a bleach solution, a diluted bleach solution. And then what are they doing? They're disrobing and leaving those exposed goods, those exposed clothes out in the sun so that the sun can continue to bleach it. Then they go and take a shower for themselves, but they are using a protocol that you need to be prepared to mimic if this sort of thing happens. So if we know the Chinese are doing it, the Americans are doing it, the Russians are doing it, who's really going to suffer? Is it going to be the Chinese government, the American government, the Russian government? No, it's going to be the Chinese people the American people, the Russian people. So I'm going to ask you again, why is this information not being seen all across our world? Is it because it's true and it's being suppressed? Or is it because we're in the middle of a misinformation and disinformation war? And they're all doing it. My next question to you is what are you doing to get ready? I want to thank you for being here with us for this second video today. This is a dangerous time to be alive, but it's a time that we have more opportunity and more advantage than many of our other generations have had. Please take that time to get ready. From my family to yours, please stay safe and keep watch. College and University or Higher Education and Learning in the Cosmos, you are, of course, welcome to join us. And join us, you shall, because on tonight's program, we are in lining
a few of these things up here, so I wanted to go ahead and talk about this tonight. So you're being forewarned in advance that this is going to be a bit of a deep dive, and I want to deal with these things because it's important for us to do so. Watch the language that is thrown at us. Watch the language that is thrown at us. Watch the subtle maneuvering that's thrown at us. Watch as these things go on and on. Watch as it happens. Because I want you to be aware of that. I want you to be aware of the tactics that they will use for that. I want you to be aware of the tactics they'll use. There was a news piece that was put up here by PBS. Just you see there, it says Tulsa faces reckoning over historical racism and state law restricts how history is taught. Folks, you got to understand something. You got to understand something. You got to understand that these folks know what they're doing and that we have won. You got to understand that they recognize that they have lost over the last 20 years. They have lost and they're letting you know that they know they've lost. They have lost because we didn't stop doing what we did. We didn't stop spreading the word. We didn't stop talking to each other. We didn't stop popularizing it. Some of the folks that you might laugh at otherwise, and those people, even some of them, the, the hotel community and everything else, the word has gotten around. We have been stalwart about our history. We have been stalwart about it, so now, in state to state, legislature to legislature, they are attempting to weaponize their legislatures to erase our history, which means that they are relying on complacency. They're letting you know the word has gotten too damn far out. You see, the schools didn't teach reparations. The schools did not teach reparations. There was no classroom you've ever been in where the teachers gave you a lesson on the need for reparations. There's no classroom you've been in that the teachers gave you a lesson on the need for restorative justice. And yet it is front and center. This is the culmination of decades of work. And one of the key ones has been the Black Wall Street. Back in the 90s, there was a resurgence of blackness as rap music coming out of the 80s was serving the needs of black people. It was the music of resistance. It was the music of revolutionaries. And everywhere you turned, it was the music of the revolution. And that wasn't just a one day, one month, one year thing. This was a campaign. And it swept the nation, swept the world, and took over everything. That's why the corporations had to come in and dumb it down, or at least attempt to. But in the internet age, even that is no longer working. It was already out of the gate. It was already out of the gate. It's too late to put it back in the barn now. It's already streaming down the track. So you got to deal with this out here now. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. So they're saying, okay, if we can't put the genie back in the bottle, let's see if we can kill it. 
let's see if we can at least slow him down. So when you talk about the Black Wall Street, particularly the one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as you all know here, we expanded people's knowledge to let them know there were many around the country. But when you talk about particularly Tulsa, Oklahoma, then you have to get into what happened to it. The first bombing of an American city by American government. That was the first one. The second one was against black folk in Philadelphia. Move. So every time America takes revolutionary, radical action, it's always against black people. Every time that posse comitatus is violated, every time they take some criminal action that clearly violates the Constitution, it's always against black folk. Always. So what I want to do here is I want to play this piece for you now. Granted, it's 14 minutes long, but there's a lot to learn here. There's a lot to unpack. I want you to pay attention to this. We're going to do some stops in here, but there's something I want you to learn from this. There's a lot to learn. The past few years, as the country's been reckoning with questions of race, justice, and equality. Race, justice, and equality. Ma'am, I think you mean reparations. I think the word you're looking for and just waltzed right over was reparations. She said every word except reparations. Don't worry, it's coming. Over the past few years, as the country's been reckoning with questions of race, justice, and equality, many state legislatures have passed laws restricting how American history, particularly institutional racism and its legacy today, can be taught in public schools. Tonight, Judy Woodruff visits her native Tulsa, Oklahoma, to try to understand how that city, amid its own reckoning, is navigating this moment. It's her latest installment of America at a Crossroads. This is where the Dreamland Theater uh, was located. And my great aunt Jamie, when she was 17 years old, she went on a date. Who would have known that during this date, the massacre happened? This is the reason they got to try to make laws against us now. Because folks have been passing the stories down and telling the stories. Everybody ain't been just sitting around watching world star hip hop. This is why you got to start passing laws. It's like, okay, we got to start passing laws now because y'all are getting too serious and you're doing too damn much. We got to start passing laws. They're letting you know how serious black folk talking to each other. They made it illegal when we were slaves. Don't get together talking to each other by yourselves. Now we're able to talk to each other by ourselves in groups of thousands and tens of thousands. They're like, hey, we got to make some laws now. Because you're talking too much to each other. Community activist Christy Williams is a descendant of Janie Edwards, who was just a teenager in Tulsa more than 100 years ago when she snuck out one Saturday night for a date and found herself fleeing for her life. She remembered that there were gunshots flying everywhere, uh, there was fire everywhere, and she said they dropped bombs. Um, and you could smell the fire and the smoke from miles and miles away. The day before, a young black man working as a shoe shiner was arrested for allegedly assaulting a white woman on an elevator. A confrontation at the courthouse followed. And on the morning of June 1st, 1921, a mob of white men chased a group of black men into Greenwood. 
35 block district of black owned businesses and homes known as Black Wall Street, killing an untold number of residents and burning their community to the ground. Yet the stories of what happened in Tulsa that weekend were for a long time buried in fear, intimidation, and shame. They didn't want to repeat it because they always feared that if they talked about it around the people who did it, who were who were doing the homes and burning the homes and killing people, so you didn't want that to happen again. So you kept quiet about it. And this reminds you of so much of what you hear in South Africa today. In South Africa today, you are encouraged to have truth and reconciliation allegedly but not restorative justice. So they're telling you, you need to live next door to the white supremacists who executed these war crimes, but that you're to be quiet about it. So you're sitting there in plain sight. So what they've done is created a white supremacist police state where you are telling your children a code of omerita. Don't speak about what these folks have done. Recognize this is a pattern of behavior. And oh yes, once again, they claim that the cause of it was somebody has violated one of our nasty ass raggedy white women. For decades, other stories about Tulsa have been told, a place once known as the oil capital of the world, but more recently home to new residents drawn by an affordable cost of living and a transforming downtown, rich in music, history, and culture. This, this land is your land. Black folk built the music of this land. Black folk did that. This is our accomplishment. The descendants of the slaves did this. This is what we built. This is what we built. This is what we did. When I tell you about erasing our presence, I want you to just understand that anytime that you see American historical music with somebody holding a guitar in their hands, it is a black person who built that and did this. But if you let them tell the tale, they're going to remove you, replace it with a white face, and tell you that's who did it. That's why it's important for us to speak to each other, because understand, white folk ain't saying that black folk created rock and roll anymore. Do y'all realize that? White folk are not telling you that black people created rock and roll anymore. They're not saying that anymore. They don't tell you that black folk created the blues, black folk created jazz. 25 years ago, they didn't have such of a problem saying that. Now they do. Now, everywhere you go, they talk about American music, but they no longer wish to mention the people who created it. Because then you start saying, well, hell, how is the black folk made it and now they've been divorced from it? How the hell can that be? So just understand, this is a conscious effort that as they lose ground and lose control, then they start rewriting the history. Now they're erasing it in real time. Including Greenwood. In fact, my own story began here. I was born and spent the early years of my life in this, the second largest city in Oklahoma. I only lived in Tulsa for five years, 
But I came back often to visit family, especially my grandmother, who lived in this house in North Tulsa. I never remember hearing anything about Greenwood until news reports began to circulate a few years ago. She's talking about a few years ago. It's 2023. We've been talking about Greenwood Archer and Pine for decades. So that lets you know how deeply ingrained the cult of Emer Omerita is. Just like with Skip Gates, who talked to the white man whose family owned the plantation, and his father told him, we don't talk about the slaves. He asked his dad, what about the slaves? His dad told him, we don't talk about the slaves. So just recognize that their thing is, it's okay to erase history now. Usually they tell you we need to remember history. Now they're saying it's okay to erase it. Now it's all right to erase it. They don't even want their own children to know what happened. It's all right to completely erase history now. We're sitting right sort of at the epicenter of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, arguably the worst incident of urban racial violence in American history. And it was not discussed openly um, for nearly 75, 80 years. So this. Now, let me explain to you. Let me put that in its proper context for all of you. Jewish people didn't have to wait 75 years before the atrocities of the Jewish Holocaust in Europe were mentioned, discussed, and addressed. They got taken care of in real time as they went. They were immediately seen to. Japanese people didn't have to wait 75 years before what happened to them in the internment camps in America was addressed, was mentioned, was discussed, was talked about. They didn't have to wait damn near 100 years. It was mentioned, talked about, and addressed at that time as they went. The other thing here is when you say it was an act of racial violence, well, you're absolutely correct about that. It was also an act of socioeconomic violence as well. So you haven't addressed any of these things, but that is deliberately so. Don't worry, we're gonna get to reparations Hats off here to PBS NewsHour about this, but they're going to get to reparations here too. And Mayor Bynum, just remember him. Of urban racial violence in American history, and it was not discussed openly um, for nearly 75, 80 years. So this represents that the evolution of Tulsa's really racial history. Tulsa's mayor, G.T. Bynum, comes from a long line of Tulsans, as well as former city mayors on both sides of his family. And the goal, of course, at the very top is uh, reconciliation. Let me tell you all, this is offensive. I'm going to try to keep my blood pressure down. This is offensive. This is brainwashing. Do not let yourselves or your children fall for this propagandistic garbage they're doing right here. You see, as they keep easing this in, let me show you, this is anathema to itself. First you say murder, arson, looting, green wood, but then you say, and at the very top, the goal is supposed to be. The goal, of course, at the very top is, and the goal, of course, at the very top is, 
I reckon everybody keeps talking about that. Here's the issue. Drill this through your cinder block, Oakwood dickhead. When they talk about Jewish people, did you notice that Jewish people were never told that their goal, the goal, should be reconciliation with the Germans? That the goal should be reconciliation with Italy? That the goal should be reconciliation with Russia? You notice they're never told that. No one ever tells these other groups. The Japanese were not told that their goal needs to be reconciliation with the white government. They were never told that. Native Americans, the red ones, were never told, so-called red ones, were never told that their goal is supposed to be reconciliation. The only place that you see this word invoked. The only place you see this word brought up is black people, particularly foundationals. We're the only ones that this word comes up with. The only ones. Then you go over to Africa. Once again, the only place you see this word brought up is when white folk owe black people something. Then all of a sudden, it's about integration and reconciliation that we need to come to. Look, you need, we need to get to a point where we're friendly with y'all. You know, Jewish people have never been told they need to be friendly with anybody. Jewish people have never been told that their goal is to be friends, buddies, lifelong pals, or to get along with anybody. That's why they focus on their economics so hard, because they know they can't depend on these Anglos. So their goal isn't reconciliation. It's empowerment, not reconciliation. We're told that our goal is to figure out how to shake hands with everybody. And this microphone told you over a decade ago, damn that. We don't need to be friends with anyone. Our goal shouldn't be to be friends with people. Certainly not with people who have brutalized us, murdered us, killed us with impunity. Our goal isn't to be, quote, friends with them. We don't need to be friends with you. I'm sounding like Dr. Clean now. We don't need to be friends with you. There's nothing there to be friends with. And being friends with you is not compensation for what you did. We need to reconcile. We can't reconcile a damn thing until you have served reparations. We can't reconcile a damn thing. They're telling you that we need to figure out how to reconcile without it costing them anything. That's what they mean by reconciliation. You all need to figure out how to let this go and get right with what happened without it costing us, the perpetrators, anything. So we need to reconcile. When you let them know, I didn't come here to shake your damn hand and be your buddy. I didn't come to go on a date with your daughter. I came here to get what you owe, every penny of it. When you say that, you can take the damn reconciliation sign down. I ain't for it. I didn't come for that. People, we understand something. I said this before about black folk. Let me say this about the greater dominant society here. When folks tell you, we need to have unity to hell with unity. 
If unity means you get let off scot-free for what you did, to hell with unity. You can go to hell with reconciliation if that means letting you off the hook for what you did. I don't give a damn if it takes seven years, seven decades, seven lifetimes. You owe, and we gonna stay on your back until it's paid. And the longer you drag this out, the more interest will be on top of it. But as far as being your buddy, your pal, any of that garbage, hell no. It can jump off at any second. On account of the fact you owe, it can jump off at any moment. It really can. Damn reconciliation. Reconciliation is not a goal. Don't let some damn screw job ass point Dexter Mayor sit up here and tell you that our goal should be rep should be reconciliation. Our goal is reparations, not reconciliation. We don't give a damn about reconciling with you. We are perfectly cool if you giving us the evil eye every damn day. You doing it now. Our goal isn't to be good with you or friendly with you. Our goal isn't reconciliation. Our goal is empowerment because you could be reconciled with us one day and then you go back to having animosity the next. But if we are empowered, it doesn't matter whether you feel conciliatory one day or whether you feel hostile the next. You won't be able to harm us on any day. When we're empowered, it doesn't matter if you feel conciliatory towards us or whether you feel friendly towards us or not. When we're empowered, that becomes irrelevant. Here's the problem. We can reconcile with you with our condition never having been changed. You set up here not just on the bottom. You've got us oppressed. We can reconcile with you and still remain oppressed. What we cannot do is become empowered and still remain oppressed. So which is more important to you all? Being reconciled to them or being empowered? If you say it's more important to be empowered, give me the black fist in the chat room and hit the likes button. There's over 3,000 people in here watching live. If you think it's more important to have empowerment then reconciliation, give me the black fist in the chat room and hit the likes button. Unless I got a bunch of folks in here, Jason, you wrong. You know, we really need to reconcile. You got a soft look, Jason. You can't just get through my front door. You got a soft look. Can't do too much to do. Reconciliation for us as a community. In 2021, he apologized for the city's failure to protect black Tulsans 100 years earlier and from decades of discrimination after. So for all the folks out there who say, we need to get into biology, okay, well, he's giving an apology here, but okay, what you gonna do about it? You have acknowledged that there's been a wrong that's been done to black folk that has plagued them ever since. What are you gonna do? Well, uh, you know, we can have reconciliation. Damn your reconciliation. I'm trying to warn y'all. Don't let these folks sit up here and fool you with that. Don't let them do the rug pull on you with that. He's giving you an apology and then saying, but we're here to maintain the status quo. 
will put up a damn monument at the top of his reconciliation, which means maintain the status quo. Hey, we know we blew up your side of town and left you all impoverished for generational poverty, but can we settle this over a handshake? Okay, you, we took millions and millions from you here. We murdered your loved ones. Um, can we just settle this over a handshake? Don't you want to be our friend and our pal? Hell no. I can think of something else these hands are good for. And you can get them all day earlier and from decades of discrimination after. I think the greatest change I've seen in my lifetime, and especially just in the last five to seven years, is the openness with which racial disparities are discussed in our city. And we've tried to, over the last, I'd say, 20 years as a community, start having those conversations around race in our city that should have been happening for a century, but we've tried to compact all of that into the last 20 years and really in, in earnest into the last decade. Now, do you hear that? Well, you know, I think the really good part here is that we're having conversations about race. You know, we're, we're having discussions and really the big change I've seen is we're actually discussing the racial disparities. Okay, but he, once again, y'all, what is he saying he's gonna do? So I warned you all over a decade ago, the dominant society has no problem acknowledging racism, discussing racism, talking about racism, building monuments about racism. Oh, we can discuss racism. We need to heal our hearts, racism, racism. They have no problem discussing racism. Getting them to acknowledge racism is no big achievement. What are they going to do about it? Now, when you get to that part, that's when the conversation gets real light. That's when the conversation gets real quiet. When you say, okay, damn the talking. Now that we all agree about what has occurred, what are you going to do about this racial disparity? Then the, the room gets real quiet. So don't sit up here and tell yourself that you got to get them to acknowledge racism. They already know it's there. They already acknowledge it anytime you want to. They will acknowledge it so long as you don't require them to actually do something about their racism. Conversations around race in our city that should have been happening for a century, but we've tried to compact all of that into the last 20 years and really in, in earnest in the last decade. Historians estimate that 300 people may have been killed in the massacre. In 2018, Mayor Bynum announced an effort to find out more using ground-penetrating radar, coring, and excavation to explore four sites where victims of the massacre may have been buried. Just recently, a team announced that they had sequenced DNA from six sets of human remains exhumed from Oaklawn Cemetery and are now seeking the public's help in identifying them. Now, you understand that we have the same problem, for example, in Wilmington. We have the same problem in Wilmington. And I've already covered that piece before where the librarians and whatnot don't want to give folk records on anything. People, if you don't think that what happened at the Black Wall Street is so important, why are there so many people who fight you over it? If what happened in Wilmington is not so important, then why is it the, the white folks in Wilmington are still covering it up to this day. If it's not really that important, and if it really doesn't matter, why are they fighting so hard to conceal these things to this day? It's an opportunity for us to make Tulsa the kind of city that I think this generation of Tulsans wants it to be. We want to be a city where 
when horrible things happen to people, we as a city rally around them and do our best to find out what happened and be there for their families and their descendants. Quote, be there for their families and descendants. Be there. We don't need a damn hug. Do you now understand something? This slime ball mayor, he's using the words he's using deliberately, which is why I warned you all about year after year. He's using the words and terms and phrases he's using. He's using all of these words deliberately. Because the real question isn't what is he saying? The real question is listen to what he's not saying. So he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. We need to reconcile. We need to talk. We need to have discussions. We need to get to our feelings. You notice he's, amazingly enough, every time it's time to talk about talk concrete action, you haven't heard anything yet. And it isn't because uh, Ms. Woodruff edited it out. At the same time, there's a human challenge. There's a, a great lack of trust towards the city because the city didn't do enough I wonder why it is still not doing enough for so long. The question that I have and the question that so many North Tulsans have is, what are you going to actually do about it? These are I'll be damned. The second you talk to a black person after he finishes, as soon as he finished there, you heard that? So like I said, y'all, it's not because Miss Woodruff and her editing crew have kept it out. That's not the reason. By the way, as soon as that sister said something, did you hear the first thing she got to? She's right there with us. Uh, by the way, we couldn't help but notice you doing a whole bunch of jaw jacking with Atlanta, Biloxi, Little Rock. If there's a significant black presence, there's a freeway running through where you used to have a black community at. In this case, they dropped the bombs first. In other places, as well, we'll just get there as we go. This has always been the plan. The governments have always targeted black neighborhoods for displacement. You damn right, reparations. Which combined with housing discrimination in the form of race restrictive covenants and redlining drove many residents north. This was the only part of town that black people could live. Today, Hall Harper says her district suffers from poor housing, healthcare, nutrition, and employment. And a 2015 Tulsa Health Department report found a greater than 10-year difference in the lifespan of those living in a zip code in the north versus just a few miles away in South Tulsa. The community living in North Tulsa is African, largely African-American, black, brown, and poor people. And South Tulsa is largely white as well. Black, brown, and poor. All right. Black, brown, and poor people. In South Tulsa, it's largely white affluent. That's a problem. And that's not only a problem for North Tulsa, that's a problem for a city. She campaigned on a promise to address the food deserts in her community. There's nothing in the discount dollar stores that's happening. And in 2021, with support from Mayor Bynum, she helped deliver fresh fruits, vegetables, and dairy in the Oasis Fresh Market. But she says a lot more needs to be done to make this community whole. You know, I grew up um, and I had to apologize. I had to do, do more than just say I'm sorry. I had to do all that I can, could do to make right what I had done. She's currently helping to lead a series of community conversations called Beyond Apology to try to engage residents over what more the city should do, including on the question of reparations.
So when you speak of reparations, what do you mean exactly by that? I think we are in a process right now of having those conversations beyond apology, but if you're asking me, Vanessa Hall Harper, uh, reparations to me is land and cash. To whom? To everyone that was involved, to the not only the, 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 the victims, but to their descendants. But not only were individuals destroyed, community was destroyed. This entire space, this entire area was impacted. And so what does that form of reparations look like? I think those are conversations uh, that we must have. Mayor G.T. Bynum. We need to do right by Tulsans who were murdered in 1921. That's why we're doing the search for the graves, allocated over a million dollars in city funds that has been unanimously supported by the city council and overwhelmingly supported by the public. Public has overwhelmingly supported our work around economic development. One could view all of that work as reparations. Um, there are others who say you've got to levy a property tax on everyone who lives in Tulsa and issue cash payments. That to me is a much more challenging question because you're financially penalizing everyone who lives in Tulsa today for something that criminals did 100 years ago. So you see the little smarmy, slimy, weasley, scumbag mayor. Well, you know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, that that could be a form of reparations. You don't get to tell us what the hell reparations is. Uh, that we must have. Mayor G.T. Bynum. We need to do right by Tulsans who were murdered in 1921. Did you hear that? Now, I want y'all to understand this little dirtbag, scumbag, Slime ball is sitting up here. I told you he was using the words and the language he was using very specifically because when you ask him about what are you going to do for concrete action, he then says very clearly, well, we need to do right by the people who were wronged in 1921. We need to do right by the folks who are dead and can't do nothing. We need to, quote, do right by them. How the hell do you do right by dead people? Well, we need to dig up their bones and acknowledge what happened to them so we can all sit around and rub our chakras and have a discussion about it. Oh, as far as their descendants, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't see how you gonna make us pay for that now. So in other words, he's perfectly fine acknowledging what happened on Black Wall Street in 1921. He's perfectly fine addressing it so long as you don't actually do anything. So long as you don't actually disrupt the status quo, so long as that doesn't happen, he's cool. So he was sitting there talking all soft and everything. He looks like a Republican. He's sitting there talking all soft and everything. But right when you get to what we're going to do about it, we're going to maintain the status quo. We need to do right by the people who were killed in 1921. Yeah, about them. But everybody, ain't nothing else. Ain't nothing else to be done. All we need to do is dig up some bones and say, well, you know, it sure so, so sucks to be y'all. Oh, well, here's a monument. I'll get together with you and sing We Shall Overcome. But in the words of Dr. King, they were okay integrating places and integrating lunch counters. That didn't cost the nation anything. Integrating schools, that didn't really cost them anything. Now we're saying you got to give reparations for what you did to us. Now that's going to cost you. That's going to change the status quo. That's going to create a generation of black millionaires 
and even billionaires. That's going to kick off generational wealth. You won't be able to kick people around the way you've been doing. That will fundamentally change things. So when you heard him talk about what will fundamentally change things, he stopped you real quick and said, no, we ain't going to do nothing to change anything. We'll sit together and give symbolic gestures. We'll talk about your feelings. But as far as actually changing anything, no, we ain't with that. That's why we are doing this search for the graves allocated over a million dollars in city funds that has been unanimously supported by the city council and overwhelmingly supported by the public. Public has overwhelmingly supported our work around economic development. One could view all of that work as reparations. Economic development. What the hell is economic development? If you are not giving it directly to the black people who are affected by what happened, how the hell is that helping them? Economic development for who? So a bunch of white folk can build a bunch of stores and the black folk can be their customers? What the hell is that? Economic development. Well, you know, we if we sit up here and build a freeway through what used to be your neighborhood, and then we bring in some white developers from New York and California to build a shopping mall, and you can be the damn buggy boys and the checkout girls... Well, we got you a job at the shopping center that we built on top of what used to be your thriving black Wall Street. Well, isn't that a, quote, form of reparations? Now, you turned around and told him, we're going to blow up the south side of Tulsa. All the white folks going to have to get out and scatter. And when we get done, we're going to pay that bastard over, turn it into a parking lot build a black shopping mall, and then we're going to give y'all jobs in our shopping mall and then tell you, well, when you think about it, Becky, that's a form of reparations. Would he be sitting his pasty white ass up here telling you that, well, I can agree with that one. I can back that. That's economic development. Um, public has overwhelmingly supported our work around economic development. One could view all of that work as reparations. Um, there are others who say you've got to levy a property tax on everyone who lives in Tulsa and issue cash payments. That to me is a much more challenging question because you're financially penalizing everyone who lives in Tulsa today for something that criminals did 100 years ago. But we're going through a dialogue. And the way I think you address it is to keep the dialogue going. Man, look here, damn the talk. The time for talk is over. Cut the check. We done talking. We ain't here to sit up here and talk in circles for damn me ever. We already know what you did. The time for talk is over. Cut the check. We through talking. You already know what needs to be done. It's time to get to the doing. Cut the check. And yet, Republican state lawmakers have arguably made that harder. More fallout from the signing of House Bill 1775 in Oklahoma. In 2021, despite opposition from school boards and public universities across the state, Governor Kevin Stitt signed House Bill 1775, legislation restricting how history can be taught in public schools. And as governor, I firmly believe that not one cent of taxpayer money should be used to define and divide young Oklahomans about their race or sex. Okay, so teaching about slavery isn't dividing people. Well, yeah, they're okay teaching about slavery just so long as you don't demand to do anything about it. 
Now that black folk are saying, by the way, because of what we learned about slavery, it's time to do something about it. All of a sudden, so black folk living in squalor and black folk living oppressed and black people being dominated and brutalized, that wasn't divisive. That wasn't divisive. Black folks saying we need to do something about it. Oh, that's divisive. Y'all need to understand these are the American Nazis. These are the American Nazis. If you want to know why it is that I have always rode as hard as I have and rode so hard in the paint for it, these are the Nazis of America. This is the Gestapo in the brown shirts of America. And they are here to do what they have always done. Make it easier to exterminate you. This is ethnic cleansing. This is racial cleansing. And from their haircuts to their janky ass ties to everything else, these are the American Nazis. These are the American fascists. And they are continuing the work that they've been doing now for decades and centuries. So attacking history, they're like, you know what? If history no longer serves white people, then to hell with history. That's what he's saying. And Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and a number of other governors around the country. That if history will no longer maintain the status quo, and if history will no longer maintain white hegemonic power, then they'll say to hell with history. Burn all the damn history books. Get rid of them. Sanitize them. Chop out whole decades or centuries. If teaching this history is going to disempower us, then to hell with the history. Get rid of it. Throw it out of there. That's what they're doing now. Rip out whole chapters. If it means we got to give up power, then damn history. On its face, 1775 is about preventing discrimination on the basis of race or sex. But it includes a provision that says no individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any form of psychological distress on account of his or her race or sex which some worry is so broad and subjective that it's having a chilling effect on the teaching of difficult subjects like the 1921 massacre. Not teaching slavery is attacking us on the basis of race. Not teaching the Tulsa white supremacist race riots is attacking us on the basis of race. Yes, your children should feel very uncomfortable about a classroom that refuses to acknowledge what happened to them because they are targeting you on the basis of race. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's totally ridiculous that you don't teach history uh, of what actually happened just for fear of making someone feel guilty. Teach them also in order for this not to happen. These are the things that we must do. Well, Tulsa Public Schools is the first district in Oklahoma accused of violating the new state law that regulates how districts teach about race and gender. The law is already having real-world consequences. Last summer, the accreditation ratings of two Oklahoma school districts, Tulsa and Mustang, were downgraded in Tulsa because teachers took part in an implicit bias training. House Bill 1775 was created for this purpose, to create accountability and transparency 
Tulsa area resident Janice Danforth spoke in favor of the downgrading at the July state board meeting in Oklahoma City. I ask you today to follow through and let P TPS be the example across Oklahoma. I state. How many black faces you see in that room? By the way, how many black faces do you see in that room? Think that over for a moment. Do you think that's accidental? You think that's accidental? See, this is the way black folk got to live while they're talking about nobody should be made uncomfortable. I feel damn uncomfortable. See, this is the way they want things to remain is that a black person can be led through a process. I told y'all this way is in court. Do you realize that if you are a black person and you are arrested in America today, you literally could go from being put in handcuffs to put into jail to go into court, to sentence, to spend the rest of your life behind bars and never encounter another black person anywhere along the line. You can have your entire fate decided for you by nothing but room after room of white folk. Now, white people can't name anywhere in America that they could go where they could be arrested, tried, sentenced, their kids' books could be confiscated, rewritten, or anything else, and never encounter another white person. It's just a whole bunch of black folk. That can't happen. Hell, they, you can't say that you go to a place where it would be majority black. You can't say that. So they're getting together in gangs, if you will, getting together in gangs and saying we are going to bureaucratically, ethnically cleanse this thing board meeting in Oklahoma. By the way, now they're not getting together to get rid of the illegals. <clears throat> Did you notice that? No, oh, let me go ahead and remind you. They're not getting together to get rid of the illegals. Did y'all notice that? They're not holding a big meeting to get the illegals out of their schools. They're not holding a big meeting to get the illegals off of the workforces. They're not sitting up here confiscating the property of the white men employing them. They're not getting together to deal with that. Dead silence about that. So clearly that doesn't bother them. But yo black ass, oh, we got something to say about you. Oh, we're holding whole meetings about you. No, not about the illegals. That don't bother us. That doesn't worry us. Nope, we're not worried about that. You? Well, that's a different matter. So they're letting you know they don't give a damn what's going on. We are always public enemy number one and the primary target. Board meeting in Oklahoma City. I ask you today to follow through and let P TPS be the example across Oklahoma that breaking the law is not only unacceptable, it's illegal, and as a district, you will pay the price for that decision. A mother of two... Uh, somebody come get Skeletor here. She looks like the kind of damn old decrepit idiot sitting at home. She's irrelevant. She has no friends. Take a look at her. She looks like she just crawled up from under somebody's attic or crawled out of a coffin somewhere. Somebody come and get them. She looks like she smells like cats. And yet y'all are listening to her. What the hell? As a district, you will pay the price for that decision. 
as a district, y'all pay the price for that decision. Boy, doesn't she sound so weak? Don't you hate to hear a Karen jump up or a Gertrude in this case? Don't you hate to hear a Gertrude jump up? She's got no influence anywhere else in life. She probably doesn't even have kids who go to that school, by the way. She probably doesn't even have any children in the schools. How much you want to bet that she doesn't even have any kids in the schools? And yet she heard that white power was under assault somewhere. And she came riding to the rescue on her hover round with her meth and her fentanyl. And she was able to slither and creep her way up to a microphone. This will show you what happens if you don't get in line. Meanwhile, a damn strong breeze could blow her little bony ass away. And I would be all in favor of it if I could stand the stench. As a district, you'll pay the price for that decision. A mother of two boys, one in public school, one in private, in 2021, Danforth founded the Tulsa chapter of Moms for Liberty, a nonprofit parents' rights group started in Florida during the pandemic that is now spread across the country. The group is officially nonpartisan, but aligns itself with conservative causes. Danforth says Tulsa Public Schools, which for years have struggled with low funding and test scores, need to focus on academics. And that should really be the only thing they're focusing on and not diversity, equity, and inclusion. Hey, are you saying that it's wrong for teachers to be conscious of diversity? Not at all. Then, then what's the argument? Well, critical race theory, or if you want to look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, we don't, equity is making everyone equal. That's not the case, right? We can't all be have the same thing. That That is Marxism, literally. We want equitable, not equity, where everyone has the same opportunity. I am. Now, here's the problem with the everyone has the same opportunity argument. The problem is that these white supremacists control who gets an opportunity. That's the problem. Everyone has an opportunity. That's not true. Any job you go to, it's limited who has an opportunity. Management slots are not unlimited. Executive slots are not unlimited. City council slots are not unlimited. Who gets to be in charge is not unlimited. Who has access to capital is not unlimited. Who gets approved for contracts is not unlimited. Everybody does not get the same opportunity. And she knows that with her bug-eyed, fish-faced, roach-built ass. She knows that. She knows full damn well. Oh, we control. Everyone should get an opportunity, and, and we're going to control who has the opportunities. That's how y'all sit up here and end up with their hand-picked Negroes, because she knows they'll con they're such throwing you out that phrase that you have equal opportunity. You're not born with equal opportunity. Not in a system of white supremacy. You don't have equal opportunity. And she knows it. So all these white folks are sitting here telling you and me that what we need to do is maintain the status quo. Everything they're saying is to sound so seriously sweet. Oh, we're not threatening, but everything they're saying is maintain the status quo. Don't change anything and don't let anything happen that will actually change something. So yeah, we don't want everyone to be equal. That was the last time she told the truth.
because she knows that her job is to make sure your black children never get the opportunity because she knows those doors are already closed to them. And then when you start telling these black children why the doors are closed, now those children know what to do about it. But if you tell them, if you miseducate them and tell them, ain't no door over there, you didn't miss nothing, you're not losing anything, then all of a sudden, what you're complaining about, if you didn't get an opportunity, it's because you didn't try hard enough. Remember in my film Race War, when I talked to Jared Taylor, and we were discussing the fact that, by the way, over 60% of your Silicon Valley companies got Asians as their workforce. And yet when you go into management, less than 10% of it is Asian. Hell, less than 5%. How can they be 60% of the workforce and yet the management and ownership of these companies doesn't reflect their Asian uh, population in their employee base? Remember what he said? Well, maybe they don't have as good a management skills. Maybe they don't have as good a networking skills. No, it's because they don't control the opportunities. Doesn't matter who you bring in, they don't control the opportunities. And he knows that. It isn't because the Asians don't work hard enough. It is because you were brought here to empower these white folk, and the white folk ain't going to give you an opportunity to run the company. You'll have an opportunity to work for the company. You'll have an opportunity to go overtime with the company. You will not have an opportunity to run it. So when they tell you about opportunity, just understand that's more trick bag con job language. And tonight I've explained to you why it is. If anybody tells you that, you tell them use a lie because you all control the opportunities and you restrict who gets them. That's not the case, right? We can't all be have the same thing. That That is Marxism, literally. We want equitable, not equity, where everyone has the same opportunity. I asked Dan Forth how teachers are supposed to manage how a student feels about a historical event like the 1921 massacre without worrying about hurting their district's accreditation or jeopardizing their teaching licenses. How do you carefully make that separation? I think you can show that there were some people in that time frame that were not good people. They they had Ku Klux Klan was a terrible organization that did terrible things to white people. And I think kids can learn about it without having to have that concept put on them like it's their fault. And you think teachers are able to make that distinction, should be able to make that distinction? Absolutely. I think if you're worried about how you're teaching it, then you're probably teaching it wrong. I would not want. So you hear the Karen up here. She is worried that her children will have to compete. And by the way, the other thing here is, aren't these the same white folk who tell you that folks running around talking about their feelings are hurt and everyone wanting to get a participation trophy? Aren't these the same white folk who tell you that that's called woke? You're a snowflake, that's woke. On the one hand, they tell you that if you don't like history being taught, oh, that's woke. Now they're if you're everybody wanting their feelings to be catered to, and we need to cater to everyone's feelings, that's woke. Um, and here the quote anti-woke people show up saying, we need to worry about our feelings now. And it's not about woke or nothing else, focus. I'm right and I it's, I'm white and I say so. 
It is not about anything woke. It's I'm white and I say so. So whoever is white and in power, they're going to decide what reality is, what two plus two is. We're white and we say so. And one other thing you do understand, these white folk are not talking about something happening at a private school. Did you understand that? The white folk are no longer saying, well, as long as my kids aren't in the public schools, I'll take my kids out of the public schools and take them somewhere else. You notice she ain't saying that. Did you notice that? She's not saying I'm going to take my kids out to public school and take them to a private school. <laughs> Problem solved. Notice they're not saying that anymore. If this was, so if their goal was for their children not to be affected, they would do what white folks have always done and take their children to private schools. Why is it you have the ability to put your kids in private schools and yet you're still saying, and we need to crack down on what these public schools are teaching because they don't want anybody to even have a chance at learning how to become revolutionized. They want to make sure that they erase this from the population at large. They're not worried about what their white children are learning. They're worried about what your black children are learning because your black children will be the next generation that's gonna come up behind us in every generation. It gets stronger and stronger, it's becoming inevitable. So th they know that, hey, taking my kids to a private school isn't gonna prevent reparations from happening. So we can't focus on our white kids in private school. We gotta focus on your black kids. If your black kids don't know about slavery and don't know about the Black Wall Street and don't know about what we did to them, then they won't be able to ask. They won't be able to demand reparations if they don't know what happened to them. So this is why they're targeting your black schools with the black kids, even though their white kids aren't even in those schools. They're like, yeah, we don't want the schools being used to, quote, radicalize those black children. We're looking for them to bring us out a whole bunch of Ben Carsons and a whole bunch of Tim Scotts. We're not looking for them to make some Francis Cress Wilsons and Dr. John Henry Clarks. We ain't trying to have that. So we're attacking the schools that we originally, quote unquote, desegregated. We desegregated the schools, and now we're passing laws that segregate the education in those schools because you learn to empower yourself with these history books. You picked up these history books and learned to empower yourself. That's why we're attacking the schools, because you're empowering yourself now. And you think teachers are able to make that distinction, should be able to make that distinction. Absolutely. I think if you're worried about how you're teaching it, then you're probably teaching it wrong. I would not want uh, any student in Tulsa taught that they're lesser than someone else because of their race. At the same time, there are legitimate concerns around making sure that we do have difficult conversations, that we learn about difficult history. For his part, Mayor Bynum, a Republican, says if in fact the new state law. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Did I call it? Did I call it? Is preventing the teaching of history like the events of 1921. Legislators should amend it. We're home to the consequences of not talking about difficult history for three quarters of a century right here in Tulsa. Uh
However, it goes even further. It goes even further because there's some more I want to deal with here. Oh, I'm not even done with you yet. There's some more that I want to deal with. I want to take you even deeper off into this. Because I want to show you how they deal with things on flip sides. I want to show you how they deal with the flip side of this kind of thing happening. You're not going to believe some of what you're going to see here. You're not going to believe some of it. But I'm going to show it to you anyway. However, before we do, we're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. When I come back, just strap yourselves to your chairs when you see what you're going to see. Just everything's going to kind of blow your mind when you see this. It's going to be like, okay, we're in, we're in la-la land. We're in Neverland. Down is up, up is down. Before we do, I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo, the man Black, Voltron, Tommy Felix. In the Super Chat, thank you very much for your support. Mr. Richburg, Mark B., Mr. Baker, Mr. Jermichet, and everybody else who has contributed to support tonight's program. We're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. When I come back, when I come back, strap in. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is the Black Channel. Are you ready to take the next step in your career or business? With Higher Life Recruiting and Consulting, you can get the help you need to reach your goals. Our experiences span multiple industries, giving us the ability to source top talent across various fields. We specialize in STEM and high-tech industries, but we are equally adept at recruiting and professional services. Our services include career consulting, resume writing, LinkedIn consulting, interviewing, lead generation, sourcing, and talent mapping. Follow us on Instagram at Get Hired With Us. A white supremacist assassin seeks revenge. Corrupt FBI agents with evil intentions. Dangerous black collaborators dedicated to treason. Occam Jeffers must defeat them all and somehow survive. One misstep and he's a dead man. Join Occam Jeffers as he looks the devil in his blue eyes and tells him, Black First. A sequel to the underground hit War of the Heart, Spirit of 1811 Publishing presents God Love Us on sale at Amazon. Pre-order and save today. Visit spiritof1811publishing.com and show your love. Having computer problems? Is your PC or Mac running slow? Need help building a gaming PC? Having problems with your Apple or Android device? Call or text Fix Too Fast. We can fix common and uncommon computer software issues remotely anywhere nationwide from the comfort of your home or business. Are you having hardware issues with your PC or Mac? Ship it to us and we will ship it back fixed. Call 1-877-412-9890 or text 513-440-1646 to speak to a technician. Please visit our website at
to experience all the benefits of ash in your natural body butter. With skin so smooth and soft, you'll thank us for it. Shop Ash Cake and Olive Oil. That's A-S-H-K-I-C-K-I-N dot com. Greetings, brothers and sisters. My name is Joe Jackson from the Foundation of Black America, and I am just doing IT for helping the family global. The industry's been changing. I've learned a lot. But how did we get here? How do we navigate issues we face in the workplace? How can we get our house in order? Read the concept and intricacies of being black and IT now on Amazon, as well as the best-selling guide to being black and IT. Go to beingblackandit.com. More Threads, a brand owned by a descendant of Black American freedmen, was created to uniquely address Black American history and contributions that have been intentionally hidden and suppressed. Use their apparel and more to learn and share the Black American history of Black inventions, heroes, towns, Black business districts, and more. Sign up and support not only a Black-owned business, but a movement at www.morethread.co. Hi, this is Brenda Starr, creator of Poetry with a Purpose and author of the book, Press But Not Crushed. Press But Not Crushed is an anthology of political poems that address current and historical issues in American descendants of slave population and African-American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African-Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. This is the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. Very glad to be with you all this evening here. Big shout out here to my man, Andrew L., contributing this morning night's program. Thank you very much for your support tonight, brother. We appreciate that. And folks, in a story that you really got to see to believe, you really got to see this to believe this. This is another story from Now This News, the gift that keeps on giving. All I can say is strap yourself in, starting with the very title of this. Yeah, you can see the title of it on your screen. Retired NYPD officer preserves Asian American gang history. All right. Now, now when we talk like that, it's glorifying gangs, but he's preserving the history. Okay, all right. Can't wait to hear this one. Hollywood glamorized the entire mob, but the Asians, their story are much more colorful. They had connections all over the world with the triads, the cons, the Italians, they only controlled basically New York City and maybe some states in the West Coast. But with the Asians, they were moving in the heroin at a much larger volume. They were making a lot more money. Oh, you mean what black folk been saying the whole time? Because you see, when we said that here on the black channel, they told us that was wrong. When Tariq said that, they told him he was making it up. They told us that we were being xenophobic. They told us that we were fabricating this. 
This is a retired NYPD officer telling you, oh, by the way, we were much bigger than the Italians. Now, somebody saying there is not actually accurate because the Italian mafia had a hold on New York, New Jersey, Chicago, Philadelphia, New Orleans. Remember, it was Carlos Marcello that put a hit on the U.S. president, John F. Kennedy. As time goes on, now they get bold enough, they're no longer cow so cowardly that they won't acknowledge the obvious, but it was the uh, the Italian mafia of Louisiana, Carlos Marcello, put the hit on JFK. Something that the New York mafia, Philadelphia mafia, Carlos Marcello was so strong and was so inevitable from Louisiana, he killed a sitting U.S. president. So I would tell the gentleman he might want to update the, the he might want to update date the stump speech. And you, you, you're putting a little bit too much icing on the stump speech, brother. You're putting a little bit too much icing on it. But uh, if we still up here and say it like it is, it's like eh. But he is right about the fact that they they've been moving heavyweight for decades. They've been moving super heavyweight. Let's just keep it a buck, Frank Lucas. Come on now. Could they have made the brand they did without the Asian Connect? It wasn't the Italian Connect that built him into what he was. It was the Asian Connect. It was the Asian plug that did it. Can we say that? Am I saying too much? Am I about to get in trouble? Am I about to burst some bubbles? Some folks didn't know that. Y'all know it, Frank Lucas. Hey, it wasn't the Italians that got him built. He got the Asian plug. Once he got the Asian plug, that was it. Never looked back. Okay, but who did they come and arrest? Frank Lucas had the Asian plug, but only Frank, only the black folk went to prison. Did you see any Asians on the stand or getting indicted along with Frank? Nope, get your black ass in the paddy wagon. You coming with us? They were moving in the heaven at a much larger volume. They were making a lot more money. The major gangs in New York City from the 1970s up until the mid-1990s were the Flying Dragons, Gold Shadows, Don Juan, ATK, Green Dragons, Fuxing, and White Tigers. There was a surge in the gang activity during that time, especially uh, the drug trade. When the Italians left the uh, heroin business and left the vacuum, a lot of the gangs were doing recruitment during that time. And, uh, it was very easy to attract these kids from poor family and new immigrants coming in. Without. Let me replay this part again so you hear what he said. And white tigers. There was a surge in the gang activity during that time, especially uh, the drug trade. When the Italians left the uh, heroin business and left the vacuum, a lot of the gangs were doing recruitment during that time. And uh, it was very easy to attract these kids from poor family and new immigrants coming in without any opportunities. Throughout all those years, I was the only Asian kid in my class, and uh, I was a bully. And to get protection from those bullies, I joined the gang. All right. So he's letting y'all know he had to get mobbed up when he was a kid. But understand something else. So he's telling you that after the Italians, you know, fell back on the hard drugs, they never got out of it completely, but they fell back because the government was coming at them. The Asians stepped in. Okay, but I ask y'all, when's the last time you saw a RICO indictment against the Asians? The Asians are move, moving super heavyweight. Will someone tell me who's the Asian mobsters 
the Asian gangs who've been put up on RICO charges because they brought in Nikki Barnes people by the damn dozens. And yet I've never seen a trial where the Asians were brought into court by the dozens. Hell, you can't get them in there by the threes. They ain't brought in there by the dozens. You go to a penitentiary, it'll be three Asians in the whole damn building. So y'all moving the majority of the weight. Y'all moving the majority of the white. Y'all moving the majority of the brown. Y'all moving the majority of the black. And yet, when we look in the prisons, you ain't to be seen. Someone explain to me how you can be moving the majority of the weight out there, and yet no RICO indictments, no charges, no nothing. We don't have an Asian John Gotti. Now, is that by accident or is that by design? Today, I still see the same problems, but a lot less because there are more resources out there, more opportunities for, for the kids out there. There's still a lot of criminal activities going on in Chinatown, but there's a lot less recruiting. They operate in more like uh, cliques or cells or just a few people. They don't have a hierarchy anymore. It's still around. I mean, you know, there's kids who want to have that sense of belonging. So hopefully there's um, more resources out there to keep the kids away from this type of life. Now you heard what he just said. He said they're still out there, but they operate in cells. There is no hierarchy. Now that's anathema to a gang. There's no such thing as a gang that doesn't have hierarchy. But what you do, if you do say something like that, then what you're saying is that the code is the leader. That they all have a code that they adhere to. Therefore, everyone is part of the hierarchy because everyone has adopted the code. When you join a gang, you're either going to wind up dead, hurt, or in prison. Some of my friends are got shot and they're paralyzed for life and some of them are never going to be the same again. So there's a lot of information out there that's not accurate about the Asian gangs. It's because Asian gangs has such a tight grip on the Asian community that even to this day, they're afraid to talk about them. And their kids only hear bits and pieces and whispers about the life back in those days, but they don't know what really happened. And that's one of the reasons why I started this channel is to be able to preserve this piece of history and just pass it on to the future generation because this is history. It may sound violent or it may be, um, you know, not what you want to hear, but... Uh, sir, it doesn't sound violent. It is violent. It may sound violent. No, sir, actually it is. It actually is. This is history. It may sound violent or it may be, um, you know, not what you want to hear, but... It happened. He's just preserving Asian gang history now. When we do it, we glorify in gang violence. When we do it, now this he's preserving Asian American. Oh, isn't that so nice? He's preserving Asian American gang history. And this is a former cop, y'all, 26 years. Gang member becomes cop in New York. And you wonder why niggas is getting beat down all over the damn place. 
These are just the Asians. What about the, how many Dominican gang members are members of the NYPD, LAPD? You already know, LA Sheriff's Department. How many of them are members of these police departments and sheriff's departments riding around right now? Riding around today. How many of them? Come on now. And then you wonder why Peter Liang was able to walk. Then you wonder why Peter Liang was able to walk. 720 degrees of the analysis that you'll receive absolutely nowhere else. However, you might disagree. Therefore, the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the program that started all the headquarters of the new black media. This is the place for you to be. So definitely you are welcome to give us a call. Not gonna be on too much later here tonight. Got some things to take care of, but I definitely wanna go ahead and have an opportunity to take a few phone calls here before we do that tonight. So you're definitely welcome to give us a call. We're having issues with the phone line today. Um, Let's go ahead and give it a try and see how it goes. Caller from area code three uh, two one five. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hello. Hi. Hi. This is Vanessa from Philly. Okay, Vanessa from Philadelphia. What's on your mind? Vanessa. Vanessa. All right, Vanessa. Um, what's on your hey, mind? Hey. Um. Yeah, I'm following because. I know that you were talking about the whole thing in um, Tulsa, and um, I noticed when I watched, um, when they had the 100-year thing about what happened in Tulsa, and they were, and President Biden got up to speak, and he said that um, the United States government did not drop bombs on those people um our people and i was really really disgusted um because he spoke to the entire world when he said that and i remember what you were saying before about how with mike bloomberg when um he got up the folks at the church turned their back on him and i kind of wish that the people had done that that they had turned their back well, that's the reason why this education effort that we're undertaking is so pivotal. Because first, we got to give the broad strokes. You got to remember something. This is something that's been taught continuously now for over a century, and it hasn't been. So it falls to us to fill in those education gaps. First, we teach you about these things. Then we move to the next step, which is okay, we're going to get reparations. We got to start watching out for some of the trick bag language. So technically speaking, Biden is correct. The federal government did not do that. So in that respect, well, yeah, he's right. It wasn't the central United States government that did it. Well, no, 
but it was an American government that did. Now, it wasn't the federal national government, but it was an American government that did that. Those nuances need to be known so that we make it very clear. It's like, yeah, we see what you're trying to do. The bottom line is, however, the federal government is responsible for punishing a rogue state government, Oklahoma, and a rogue city government, Tulsa. The United States federal government is the one that's supposed to walk in and frog march out rogue governors, rogue sheriffs, rogue mayors. The U.S. government's supposed to do that. That's what the U.S., the federal government is supposed to be for. When you have a rogue government that is ignoring the Constitution, then the federal government is supposed to come down there and get him. The federal government is supposed to come down there with the troops and grab all of them. So in that respect, okay. no, you did not commit the original or the initial act, but you became collaborators ex post facto after the fact when you refused to prosecute and refused to punish long after you were made aware. Remember, there is no statute of limitations on murder. murder. There is no statute of limitations for murder. They had all those decades that they could have come and grabbed them folk and did not do it. You just became collaborators and co-conspirators. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. You damn right I'm yelling it. Call from Erico 323. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you coming from? Good evening, big brother Jason. This is Brother Elijah calling out of Dallas, Texas. Hi, Brother Elijah. Dallas, what's on your mind? Big brother, I got a quick question for you. Um, I, I, I'm not going to be too long because I'm at the FDA Expo. I got a question. We're just speaking on tonight with the erase in the history. Just um, a few weeks ago, Professor Black Truth talked about the um, the Blancos, how they erased the black um, Hispanics from the society, not physically, but just if they're not part of anything, no TV. Are we, as um, foundational, are we facing that um, that same state right now as we speak? Uh, at the hands of whom? At the hands of the, um, at the hands of the white supremacists, um, at the hands of the system. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly they yeah, want yeah, to um, look organic. They certainly want to look like you just yes, got sir. organically moved out the way, that you just organically disappeared, that this was just the natural order of things and this was the natural progression of things. That's what they wanted to appear like. Yes, they wanted to appear like that. So, yes, yes it's a concerted, conscious yes, effort to yes, gradually yes, just move you out until he pushes this aside until eventually you're gone. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Now, let me get Color Miracle down to one. You're on live. Black Channel, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Well, hello, Jason Black. My name is Brian calling out of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, Brian. Don't be afraid. Okay. Don't be afraid. I come in peace. I'm a grown man. I, since you're a man, I'm not afraid of nothing because I can't speak on your chat because I get blocked speech. So... If you don't mind, I have a question. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that I will mind, actually, but go ahead. So why are you walking Nazi? So you're a black Nazi occult, right? Let's talk about it. Hello? Okay, sir, all I can say Hello? is the 
What is the black because Nazi culture for? Black to? man fought to break black women in America and men and children. What have you supported in America in this nation, Jason? Black? Huh? I've supported what? justice. Answer. And y'all want reparations. Let's think now. Don't be afraid and everything. Folks, mental illness is a real thing. Mental illness, untreated mental illness is a problem in the world today it really really is so somebody has let their drug addled nephew loose on the phone somewhere so go to dirt jason go ahead and go i'll take all the dirt okay uh by all means honor people because black people don't have any unprotected <laughs> Are you done playing with the toys? Uh, you were saying. Are you done playing with the toys, Jason? You were, you were saying. Are you done playing with the toys, Jason? Last time, sir, what were you saying? Last time I had these nuts, nigger. Like I say, the meth, they're, now they're lacing the meth with talcum powder and foot powder. And you, you just, it's right now, y'all gotta understand, since the pandemic, the drugs are all messed up now. You know, they mix an H in it and the, the fentanyl, just the drugs are all mixed up, man. It's, it's, it's messed up right now. Folks can't get the, the, the stuff they used to get. They can't really get that. So now they're just having to get by however they get by. They're having to sit up here and make it happen however they can make it happen. That's all they can do. They just got to grab whatever in the world, Sherry, the local meth plug. They got to just take whatever she can give. They got to just take whatever she gives. Anyway, he sounds like he needs a wellness check. He sounds like he needs a wellness check. Now, I don't know who he was. I don't know where he's from, but hopefully somebody recognizes his voice. Hopefully somebody recognizes his voice. I don't know. If anybody knows who that was, do him a solid and maybe see if we can get a hold of him. Let's do him a solid and see if we can get a hold of him and do a wellness check. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he, I don't know who he is or anything. But certainly, a wellness check is in is in order. So, if if anybody wants to get on top of that for me, if anybody wants to get on that, if you remember, if you know his name or whatever, maybe we can get his contact information or something, and we can do a wellness check. I don't know. Maybe we can do a wellness check. 
So just saying, maybe one of my moms or somebody can get his phone number, his information, and, and, and put out a wellness check for him. Because he sounds like he's unwell. He, he sounds like he needs somebody. He sounds like he needs somebody to help him out. He sounds unwell. He's very, very upset and very, very angry. Y'all, do you see? He went nuts tonight. You do understand he could actually be prosecuted. He went nuts tonight. He's like, how dare you say that you understand the reconciliation is not action? How dare you say that? How dare you say that? How dare you all sit here and talk about real, concrete, actionable things? You know that you are attacking white supremacy at its core when that happens. So hopefully somebody finds his number and puts it in the chat so we can give him a wellness check. Because he sounds very worried and he sounds very disturbed. Call from Erico 225. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Terry and I'm calling from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay, you say Terry? Yes, sir, Terry. All right, Terry from Baton Rouge. And what's on your mind? Uh, I actually have a question for you. Um, so, do you think it's mostly or a mixture of both? Um, guilt or fear that they're trying to suppress our history, suppress us teaching our children, and uh, would it make a difference in in their motive of how we approach them policy wise, or you know groups we might be in conflict with? How do you have any tactics to suggest? Well, yeah, exactly what we're doing right now. I mean, look, at some point you're going to meet the brick wall. At some point you're going to meet solid resistance. When you've gotten to the core and the heart of the problem, black folk on the outside. And you see the same thing up, up the street, up there's a 10, in New Orleans. I was staying on St. Charles Place in New Orleans. Um, looks nice. They got things built up, you know, Hilton and things like that, IHG. Hey, that's great. That's wonderful. Canal Street looks like damn Miami. But you can see what's happening. They're trying to figure out how to make New Orleans prosperous, but leave black folk behind. How do we make the city more prosperous, but leave you on the outside? So when you start figuring out the mechanisms and the tricks that they use to do that, then all of a sudden you say, great, you got to stop doing that. Now every discussion becomes about the trick they're trying to play. Because it used to be that they sent out some black politician, he would use some trick bag language, and we would all fall for it, and then we all have to come back in four years. Damn, you tricked us last time. Now they can't fool us like they used to, so everything is a knife fight now. Everything is a shootout now. Because we're like, hey, what's on the agenda is, is, is reparations. What's on the agenda is concrete, tangible financial resources. That's on the agenda now. So that's why everything is a knife fight. Your history, your roadways, your language, everything is a knife fight because we're all centering our discussions on reparations and specifically on economics. We ain't talking about integrating anymore. We're not talking about us being in the church anymore. We're not talking about education anymore. We're going straight for the finance and the dollars. So no, you can't have the same conversation you had before. It's fundamentally changed. Every time they open up a door or a meeting for us to talk, we go straight to the money. And they are painfully, painfully sensitive to this now because they know what we're doing. But if eventually you reach a point where you just got to bring it straight up the middle. 
You can't fake it. You can't pretend. You can't camouflage it. You're talking about real dollars now. You're going to have to just come straight up the middle. Right up the middle. And that's where we are today. Total sense. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. Let me get caller from area code 708. You're on live. Black Channel, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is William. I'm calling from Maywood, Illinois. All right, William, and what's on your mind? Hey, that one call, that call just from that coach validates the new black media. Oh, yeah. They're listening, and they're trying to figure out what to do, but they don't have enough intelligence to come up with a plan to combat the truth. It shows their ignorance. Well, it also shows their weakness. You see, if they could do yeah, something, yeah. they would be doing it. If all you can do is sit up here and yell and scream and troll, that's what babies do. When babies are throwing a tantrum, they squeal, they yell, they troll. You ain't actually right. doing nothing because you can't right. do anything. So now they're just basically venting. Well, if venting makes them feel better, go ahead and vent away. But it's not going to stop the inevitable. And when we get to that point, there won't be any screaming or yelling or venting. It's going to be dead silence. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Let me get a call from Code 404. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Jason. This is uh, Brother Aquarius calling from Atlanta. All right, Brother Aquarius from Atlanta. And what's on your mind? Um, after years and years of collecting all the daily evidence, I, uh, us all the lynchings and everything, I just wanted to know if it was at all possible to sue for reparations. Technically, yes, it is. But in order, you, you would be suing on a massive basis, and U.S. law doesn't really allow that. That's the problem. U.S. law doesn't really allow, quote unquote, suing for reparations, because now you're going through legal mechanisms, who's at fault, gathering evidence. You know, is it a criminal case? Is it a civil case? So, you know, in order to do that, you'd have to have a law that substantiates your ability to do that. Jews didn't have to sue for anything. That was a government action that did it in Europe and America. The Japanese didn't have to sue for anything. That was a political action, just like the Asian hate crime bill. That, that was a political action that was undertaken. They didn't have to sue for that. So in order for you to be able to do that, you know, you have to maybe go international, but you'd be suing the United States internationally. That's what you have to do. You don't really have a civil national mecha domestic mechanism that allows you to do that. Not really you don't. You can't, you know, you can try to take action on that, but you have to get very specific because you, you can't make the claim. It's going to be very, very difficult to try to make a claim on behalf of a specific group of people in a court of law because now you have to have plaintiffs, we've got to have defendants. Who's defending the defendants? Well, it's the United States government. Well, the United States government did what exactly? And remember one other thing, the United States government is legal for the government to commit atrocities. For those of you who don't know, it is perfectly legal 
for the United States government to commit atrocities as the Afghans, as the Iraqis, as the Africans. It is perfectly legal. Remember, right now, today, I, I posted the story here a few weeks ago. The United States government is criticizing Russia for invading Ukraine. They're doing all these sanctions. They're sending missiles and bombs and jet planes over there. But when the International War Tribunal said, yeah, we want to indict Vladimir Putin for what he's doing, the United States pulled out. I'm posting this story for you all. The United States government pulled out of that and said, no, we don't want you to target Putin directly. Well, why not? Because the United States government got the same guilt on their hands in Iraq, in Vietnam, in Afghanistan, in Somalia. The United States has got the same charges against them by other people in other governments. So they're like, hey, if we allow you to do that to Putin, you all can come here next month and come get George H.W. Bush and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. Y'all can come grab them. So the United States government, in the midst of its so-called uh, counteraction against Russia and Putin, came to their defense and said, yeah, we, we don't want you going after Putin directly. So that's what I'm telling you. In case you didn't know, them's the rules. Professor Black True talked about this years ago. The United States government is not, a, is not a signatory on the Human Rights uh, Commission. If you didn't know, the United States government is not a signatory on that. That's not accidental. Because they're like, hey, we want the leverage to go ahead and violate your damn rights. You don't have any rights. If the government says you don't have those rights, you don't have them. And they want to be able to say that you only have the rights that we say you have. So suing them in their courts, the first thing they can invoke is, by the way, it's legal because we did it. We had a justifiable reason for doing it, or it was a justifiable mistake. But understand, if you take the U.S. government to court, it's not going to be Joe Biden on your side of the table against the U.S. government. It's going to be you against the U.S. government. They're going to have solicitors and attorneys attorneys over there on their side arguing for why it was okay to do it. Whatever you name, they're going to say it was okay for them to do it. That makes perfect sense. And especially because I remember hearing uh, that the U.S. really isn't involved with the United Nations. So when they do things against us, we can't go to the United Nations to, to, uh, to make a complaint because uh, we're, we didn't, I think we didn't sign something with them. But we, we stayed at yeah, the United States government has covered its ass legally. The United States government, there's a number of people who, if they could sue them, they would. You have to go international. But remember one thing, an international court only has the powers that it is able to enforce. So you could find the U.S. presidents guilty from sun up to sundown. Can you get them? Thank you very much for giving us a call. That's why you could indict Pol Pot. And that's why you could indict Norm Chua. And brother number two. And brother number three. You could indict them because you had the ability to go get them. You could indict 
Saddam Hussein because you had the ability to go retrieve them. You could indict Muammar Gaddafi. You had the ability to go retrieve them. Who gonna come get Joe Biden? Who gonna come booming into Texas and come get George W. Bush? Who's gonna do that? Who's gonna come get Barack Obama? Who's gonna come get them? If the U.S. government chooses not to give them up, who they gonna come get? Who's gonna come get them? What the woman say? Who gonna check me, boo? Y'all, this is gangsterism. Just understand, this is gangsterism. They're like, yeah, we blew up your damn country. We assassinated the head of the state. Yeah, we're gonna kill all the damn women and children. What you gonna do? You gonna come get me? What you gonna do? This is where we at. This is where we at. So a lawsuit, good luck. Call him Erico267. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Oh, my name is Barry. I'm calling from Philadelphia. All right, Barry from Philadelphia. What's going uh, on? Just, 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 you know, uh, this, this is the uh, story that happened that, um, that, that we just watched. It, it, just, it gets you pissed off. It gets you mad. And I was just reading this article about... Um, the red summer in 1919, where hundreds of black Americans were slaughtered throughout America. And um, the government, the government and the FBI agency, what they did was they contacted all the gun owner stores, all the gun stores, and they told them not to sell no ammunition to no more black people. So, so we couldn't defend ourselves. Cause this was after the war and a lot of soldiers came back. So, white people started being scared that black people was going to rise up. So the government stopped us from being able to purchase weapons and munitions. Well, I mean, they've, and, they've always um, had an informal embargo against us doing that, even to this day, as a matter of fact. But certainly they've always had an idea that they need to control our access to weapons. They need to control what we're going to do because you have these flashpoints where these things happen and a highly dominated highly oppressed group of people you can just box them in a corner and then just stamp them out and that has always been the goal thank you very much for giving us a call now let me get color miracle 206 you're on live with the black channel what's your name where are you calling from rome seattle hi right, rome seattle what's on your mind uh jason you, i had a question but of course you you answered it and basically i wanted to stay on the line and say thank you very much for well, thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. We appreciate that. Be one as always. Let me get Color Miracle 703. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, brother. Um, Jersey, this is Tiffany Cohen from Valdosta, Georgia. How are you? All right, Tiffany from Valdosta. And what's on your mind? Um, yeah, I'm just calling to thank you for all that you do not do for the Black community. Um, if I may just play as a devil's advocate, I just want to say that um, a lot of the problems and issues that facing Black America with the immigrants and they're trying to erase Blacks in America, thanks to you and people like Kenneth Bushy, who encourages um, Black men to date outside the race, this is the result. Thank you. Okay. Who are you referring to as encouraging that? 
Okay, when have I encouraged anyone to quote unquote date outside the race? When did I advocate for that? Oh, this was a few years ago where you um, have encouraged the men in your that called into your show or that you're following to date women outside the race because black women just weren't fit or you know qualified to race. Okay, when did I when did I say for them to do that? Because you're making up something I never said. So what exactly did I say? Because I never said anything of, of the like. It's not some years ago. You can't remember what it was. A few years ago. Okay, you can't remember what it was. You're the one making. You're the one making this up. You're the one. You're the one making this up. You say a few years ago. Can you quote exactly what I said? Okay, quote my words. Okay, ma'am. I don't know. I don't. I, I, we're gonna talk about me. And when did I tell anybody that they come saying bastard bit maker? How'd you make the leap from that to saying they need to date non-black women? How, why are you making this lie up? When a person has to lie this big, when you have to lie this blatantly, that means that's that's really bad on you. When you gotta lie this bad. I'm not, but like, this is what I heard from you. you okay, well, you never Baby maker. Sure, I use it all the time. I use it right now because you sound like you have five kids, you bastard baby making hood rat. Sir, I'll say it right now. I don't believe that. I don't believe Put him on the line. Put him on the line. Put him on the line. You don't have you don't have one. Put him on the line. I'll pay you twenty dollars. I'll pay you twenty okay, I'll pay you twenty dollars and a membership in Jenny Craig. Put your husband on the line. What is that $20 do for me? I'll pay you $50 and a, a subscription to Weight Watchers. Put your husband on the line. $50? $50 for subscription to Weight Watchers? Yes. Because you need, you need, okay, that's just one dinner. I know you'll scarf that down in about five minutes. I'll pay you $100. I'll pay you $100 and a, I will pay you $100 in a Bally's membership. You big fat ass hog. Put your husband on the line. You liar. Liar. Put your husband on the line. Jeremy. Put your husband. Jeremy. Put your husband on the Jeremy. line. Sit a bay. Put him on the line for us Jeremy. so we can see him. Jeremy. Put him on the line for us. By the way, one more thing. Because by the way, they're upset tonight. Boy, she's she's like, I'm four hundred pounds. I'm four hundred pounds soaking wet. I'm angry. She sounds like she needs a. She needs a wellness check for real, doesn't she? What is she so angry about, baby? Hey, look here. If you, you know, if you switch to a plant-based diet, do some exercises, then you know things will go a little bit different from you. You're very angry. I'm mad. There's a reason why the men are not fooling with you. I don't blame. Baby, look here. You got to go differently than that. Life is short. What's a man going to do with, with Gabby Sidibay sitting up here? What's he going to do with this? What is he going to do with you? Boy, she is mad as hell, ain't she? You need to worry less about who's dating you, and you need to worry more about a sensible exercise regimen.
I would recommend that. You need to worry less about what black men are, who black women are dating, and you need to worry more about where black women are working out at, starting with yourself. I would say let's hold a collection to get her a fitness membership. I would say let's hold a collection for that. But uh, yeah, that's a different matter. By the way, if one of my mods, if y'all get her number, uh, hopefully we can do a wellness check on her. Hopefully we can do a wellness check. But by the way, just in case my mods get that information, uh, put it out there for us there. The female troll, she needs a wellness check. So I hope somebody recognizes her voice. I hope somebody recognizes her voice and gives her a wellness check. Because I don't know what her number is. I don't know what her number is, but I hope that somebody recognizes her voice. And if you do, go ahead and give them a call. Uh, in the chat room there, uh, Deneen, Deneen, you need to give us a call right now. You got two minutes to be on the phone line, Deneen. So very glad that Deneen has a good question in the chat room. Hey, Deneen, you got two minutes to be on the phone line. Let me go ahead and throw the number up there so we can make sure you don't miss it. But Deneen, Deneen Grant, you need to be on the phone lines, dear. You need to be on the phone lines, ma'am. Since you have such an interesting question, why don't we go ahead and answer that? You can no need for you to hide out in the chat rooms. That's kind of cowardly. Come on now. You'll burn a few extra calories reaching over and picking up the phone. Don't be hurt. I know that this is small weight though, but just think of it like barbell curls. Up, down, up, down, one, two, one, two, feel the burn. But yeah, Deneen just volunteered to give us a call. So Deneen has two minutes to be on the line or Deneen takes permanent vacation. Perfectly fine one way, either which way it goes. I'm cool with it either which way. But Deneen's got questions to ask. Might as well go ahead and call the source. Might as well go ahead and do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Hell, some of the trolls are upset now. No need to be upset. Hey, y'all, I'm just saying, don't y'all want to help a big, fat, obese sister out? She's very, very angry that black men are not contacting her. She's very upset that black men don't want to talk to her. Well, you know what? I hope somebody gets her number so that some folks can contact her and talk to her. She says she's lonely. She says she wants black male interaction. I think that's a great idea. I just hope somebody has her number so they can contact her and find out what it is. And then y'all can report back to me and tell me what's going on. By the way, that'd be nice. Call it Miracle 425. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is uh, Agnes calling from Seattle, Washington. Good evening. Agnes from Seattle, and what's on your mind? I just wanted to respond to that female troll. Uh, evidently, a tether babbling, divester. Unfortunately, I actually do know who she is. Uh, yeah, you called her right. <laughs> well, it's very, very obvious. Uh, um, and, and, you know, some people are so desperate 
you, when you have low self-esteem, you, you ain't think you give attention, the wrong kind of attention. So you call that out. So uh, warning out there for anybody else who uh, can't handle the truth, which what you've been putting out there throughout your uh, program, uh, well, believe what you sow. That's all I have to say. The program, thank you very much. Well, she's been reaping it and sowing it and eating it. That's the problem. It'd be different if she just reap what she sows, but she's been reaping, sowing, and eating. Or at least I don't know if she's been reaping. I don't know if she's been sowing anything. She's been sowing it, she's been reaping it, and then she's been eating it. So somebody or somebody else has been sowing it and reaping it, and she's been eating what they sowing and reaping. So it's just yeah, just keep her away from that whole part of the food chain right there. What she needs is a fast and some supportive friends. Caller from area code 434, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name, where you calling from? Oh, Django, where are you? Django. Okay, mental health disease is a real problem here. By the way, I hope somebody has his information. I know they're angry tonight. They're gonna have a lot more to be angry about. But by the way, the asylum is open. The, the mental health issues are big. Y'all, we gonna have some fun with them this evening. We're gonna have some fun with them this evening. They're gonna be a little bit upset, but we're gonna have some fun with them this evening. They mad, y'all. The coons are mad. The tethers, divesters are mad. They angry about it. We're going to give them plenty more to be angry about. So, folks, uh, I hope we can do a wellness check. I hope we can do a wellness check on the Django caller. If anybody knows his name or his number, if you recognize him, that voice probably sounds familiar to somebody. So, Hey, it's a Saturday night. I want y'all to do a wellness check. We need to do a wellness check. We need to do a wellness check, and I want y'all to come back, get back at me and let me know. Hey, Jason, I wanted to check, check in on them. So I hope somebody knows the Django Trolls phone number so that we can do a wellness check. I hope they do. They, they seem very, very angry tonight. So I, I hope they, I hope we can get them the help that they need. For those of you watching live or recorded, if you recognize any of these people, let's get in touch with them. Somebody get in touch with them and let them know, hey, we're here to help. I heard you was having issues or problems. We want to help. We just want to make sure we can help you. And you know that they're up. You know that they're up right now. You know that they're up. So don't let them go. Just call them. Keep calling them. Even if they're using a the burner number, it's going to clog up their phone. So too many folks do that. Ooh, that would be terrible if their phone just couldn't stop ringing. That'd be awful. That would be awful. If folks kept doing that and their phones just stayed lit up, well, that would just be terrible, wouldn't it? That would be awful. Yeah, they sat up here and did that, and the phones are just lighting them up, and they can't get their phones to shut off, and every time they're trying to use it, oh, hell, it's just lighting up. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be awful. I mean, what they have an important number? 
What if they're having something? What if they have an important phone call coming in and they can't do it because folks are lighting them up? That would just be bad news. Hmm. Hate to be them. That would just be bad news for them, wouldn't it? Oh man. Sucks to be them. But definitely don't 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 leave them in need. Don't leave them in need. Let them know we're looking out for them. Let them know we're going to look out for them. It's a holiday weekend. We ain't going to leave you in the lurch. Hey, Lizzo, the, the Lizzo caller who called earlier here, who's upset because the black men are ignoring her. Brothers, just let her know if you can find her information. Let her know. It's like, hey, bigums, big girls need some hate too. Not no love, baby. You need some hate too. We're trying to bring you back to life. We're trying to bring you back to reality. So big girls need some hate too. Don't, don't. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Or maybe do get mad. Maybe if you do get angry, that'll burn some calories at least. You get angry enough, that'll get your metabolism up somewhat. You, that's about as close to exercise as you're going to get. I have a husband. Who going to marry you? Better question. Who going to feed you? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking irrelevant questions. Forget who gonna marry her. Who gonna feed her? Whose paper is that straight? Who's got that much disposable income that he can sit up here and, and roll her up to the trough? Who, who, who's got that? Come on now, you ain't full of this. Call it Miracle 505. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Okay, call from area code 505 is abducted. Call from area code 334, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Grace from Utah, Alabama. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just a hard addict to the state of Alabama. It's a lot of black people. They, they, they scatter reparations. When you bring it up to the older, like you always say, these old Negroes, they, they get scared and towered off and, and run into their little hole. And then, and another thing too, Jason, Mr. Jason, ever since you called out that white, that white supremacist woman, uh, all these trolls have been popping up on your timeline. I've been um, saying too. That's, that's all I got to say. Thank you. When you hit them where they hurt, brother, they gonna squeal. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight, folks. When you hit them where they hurt, they gonna squeal. They gonna squeal. They gonna scream. They're gonna pick up the phone lines and just say crazy stuff. So yeah, I mean, they're hurting, man. It's you don't put a hurting on them. They ain't forgot about that. They can't even sit down. It's like having industrial strength hemorrhoids. Can't sit down straight. Everything is hurting. It's like sit, it's like sitting on a triangle. No like, oh, hell, this is gonna be uncomfortable. There is no good way to do this. like trying to sit on a giant triangle. How the hell you do this? This, this, this? There's nothing comfortable about this. Literally any other shape you could have chosen would have been better than this. Don't worry. We're going to give them a whole lot more to be upset over. Don't you worry about that. In the meantime, we're going to go ahead and wrap up tonight's program. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo, Ms. Dawson, Lakeith, Mr. Saunders, and everyone else who has supported tonight's program. We appreciate that. 
Um, Jay Freeman Blackman there in the super chat. I see you there, brother. 